Hello and welcome to Adam Analyzes. My name is Adam and I'll be your host. All right, so just about a day or two ago, Metallica announced that they're going to do the SM2 home video release. I did not catch this one in theaters, so of course I had to pre order. Also, it made me want to revisit something from their catalog. No, I didn't revisit one of their albums, but instead, I decided to revisit one of their movies. And while it was not Metallica Through the Never, which I actually think is a good movie, I enjoy that one quite a bit. I did get to see that one in IMAX 3D when it was released, and I do own the 3D copy of it here for my 4K 3D TV. And I gotta say, it's still an awesome experience when I do go and fire that one up again. But no, I wanted to take a step back a little bit further to 2004. And that movie is the 2004 documentary Metallica, Some Kind of Monster. Some Kind of Monster chronicles the recording of the 2003 album Saint Anger and also chronicles the fact that they almost broke up after the leaving of Jason Newstead from the band and also the fact that lead singer James Hetfield just up and left and uh, decided he needed to go to rehab for his many addictions. It's mostly alcohol from what I gather. It was never actually confirmed 100% what everything was, but it was undisclosed addictions. So in a lot of ways, this one actually not only chronicles the band themselves with their recording process during this time, it chronicles all of the chaos that went into it. And in, a, in many, many ways, it is very similar to the Beatles film, which has, as of right now, not received an official release over here. Uh, it only has a few VHS releases and stuff. So it's a little bit of an obscurity right now. I heard that there's going to be a release of it. But that would be the Beatles' Let It Be film. It was supposed to be a companion piece to the album itself. And a lot of people are not fans of that because of the fact that it shows the Beatles in a bad light. And I'm going to say that Metallica, some kind of monster, doesn't exactly show the Metallica band in a bad light but instead kind of shows them as being very vulnerable. I guess as far as different emotions, maybe not knowing that they never really knew each other and such. And it's kind of a fascinating movie. It's never once boring. And I think that's one of the most interesting things about it is because sometimes when I watch a documentary, there'll be that initial half hour that really catches me. And then it kind of trails off from there. I kind of lose interest throughout, which is one reason why I don't usually like documentaries, especially if they're a documentary that's trying to get a certain point or ideal across, because I don't think that type of documentary is really one that is trying to, I guess, have a non-biased like point of view or opinion, but instead get you to think towards their ideals or what their thought may be. And I know that there's a lot of good ones out there that may be kind of sticking in the middle. And I think that's what a good documentary of that type should be. 
But this one here is truly a different one where basically it's just about the deconstruction of the band itself. I think it's actually no big secret by now that the Saint Anger album itself is not really a great album. However, I will say that this movie does clue you in a little bit to, I guess, the chaotic nature of the album itself. It's no secret that the album itself, it's not really that great of an album, and I think that's mostly because of the production on the album. It sounds very unfinished. It sounds almost like demo material. And I think if they would have actually tried to finish the album a little bit more, maybe change the sound of the drums a little bit to a traditional, I guess, snare type of uh, sound as opposed to the drums sounding like oil drums, I, I think it actually would have turned out much better and I think it would have had a better response from fans. I, I'm under the impression that, in, in my opinion, I don't think Metallica has really released a bad album. I think the worst one is probably the album Lulu, and that's mostly because of the fact that Lou Reed, I don't think his vocals really go well with Metallica music at all, and it doesn't exactly work. However, the music that Metallica is playing on that album is actually very good. If it was a, if I was able to remove the, the Lou Reed vocals from that one, I think I would probably wind up enjoying it. But we're not actually talking about that or any other albums. I just wanted to get that out of the way that I don't really feel that they released a bad album. There's bad songs on said albums, and I think Load and Reload, if you were to cut both of those albums into one and take some of the filler songs out, I think you would actually have a pretty good album of them trying different things. And so it would wind up being more like a hard rock, blues, and I guess pop album in a way. It's definitely different, and I don't think it's really bad Load and Reload, but well, people tell me that they are. But I actually think that they are good albums, and it's the same way with St. Anger. I think that there's actually a good album lurking in there, and some kind of monster actually goes and justifies the album a little bit. Um, I would go so far to say that it redeems it a little bit, um, because you really do feel for them in the movie because they think that they released something good. And one of the more interesting conversations that happens in the movie is the fact that you have Kirk, Kirk Hammett, the guitar player, for those who do not know. Uh, he's actually a little upset that he's not getting any guitar solos in. And so then they're having a discussion that the guitar solo is dated. Well, I don't think the guitar solo is really dated. I think they could have actually used some guitar solos or some heavy editing on songs. I mean, they did... Any of the songs that were released off of St. Anger were radio edits, like they actually did edit them out. And it wasn't necessarily because of profanity. Yes, it is the most profane Metallica album, but I mean, it's not anything too severe. But yes, they would have to cut the songs for radio, but no, they cut them for length. And the actual radio edits without a lot of the filler stuff in all the songs, it actually works better. I can't help but think that maybe if Kirk would have gotten his way and maybe if they included some guitar solos or something or 
I don't know, maybe had the album as a more finished sound, I think it would have turned out better. But it's interesting because they kept the scene in the movie. And yet, in interviews, I remember this at the time, they were saying, oh, well, we tried guitar solos, it just didn't work. And the thing about that is, I don't believe that for a second, especially since the movie totally contradicts what happened with the album and what was said in the interview. So it's interesting how they can spin things in an interview where you have a movie like this and it completely changes what was said before. I think a lot of the scenes in this movie too, such as the showing where Jason Newstead went with his Echo Brain project, I think that's actually a great scene. And to see how he actually snubbed Lars and Kirk and didn't want to see either one of them, well, I kind of understand where he was coming from. I like the fact that Jason is brutally honest. He does come across as kind of a jerk. But then again, I think he has every right to be, if he is, especially if you read the stories about what they did to him as far as uh, all the different hazings and stuff like that. Uh, I kind of understand where the guy doesn't want anything to do with them. I heard that they're actually on good terms now, and there's even been rumors of Jason Newstead possibly coming back to Metallica, and that would be interesting because I think the band is at a very different place from their Black Album stuff, or I guess even if you want to go and say that he played on And Justice For All, which he did, but they turned down the bass, so I mean... If you don't know the story, look that one up. But either way, I think uh, it's interesting that Metallica is one of the biggest bands there. And they had a guy quit who just had enough of their crap. And not only that, the band themselves are lost. And they think that they may in fact break up. I think that this movie with having the cameras around and stuff like that I think it probably did bring out some of the extra drama, so I think some of the stuff is probably extra dramatic because of being filmed. I don't know how, I guess, hands-on or hands-off the filmmakers actually were. I like to think that this movie is pretty raw and honest, but then again, I don't know. It feels like it might be completely honest as far as everything with the different conversations. I mean, they do seem like they go to, I guess, some different places that we're not used to seeing them at. But I actually really think it's awesome that they're not shown as rock or heavy metal gods here. Instead, they're actual real people. The whole bickering and fighting between James and Lars is nothing new, honestly. If you've ever seen any of the other Metallica documentaries, such as A Year and a Half in the Life of Metallica, that one there, I would say, is pretty raw and honest. You get to see them at each other's throats and stuff like that with the recording of the Black Album, which I actually think the Black Album is kind of one of their weakest albums. I know a lot of people would disagree with me on that, but... Black Album, uh, I mean, it's largely forgettable in a lot of ways to me, even though I know that was their biggest success as far as uh, album sales. So, 
I guess I'm wrong with that. But me personally, my favorite album by Metallica is going to be Ride the Lightning. That is the one. Uh, it's my favorite one by them. But anyway, back to the movie. I think the movie itself does a great job. Uh, it even shows that they do some ridiculous things. One of the most ridiculous things a band could do, in my opinion, is get a Dr. Phil-esque self-help guru type of guy in there. And that guy's name is Phil Tao. Phil Tao, uh, he's been with Metallica for two years during this. And Mr. Tao actually thought that he was a part of the band. He was writing down lyrics and it gets to be a little ridiculous. And not only that, they're paying the guy 40000 40, a month. They were paying him that much money to more or less have them, I guess, reach inside themselves and try to mess with their heads a little bit. Thankfully, they did uh, realize that the guy was not really doing anything for all that money that they were paying him. And, well, they got rid of him. And that's a good thing because I think they came out stronger because of that. But it's actually a very fascinating thing to me that they got to that point and I think they were all roughly anywhere from about 38 to 41 or 42 at this point in this movie. And they were almost having midlife crises uh, at a relatively young age. And it's interesting to think that maybe some of that is pressure from actually being a famous musician and a celebrity and everything. And it just kind of showed me that it was, I don't know, maybe not as glamorous as what it uh, would appear to be, to be that big and to still not have it be enough. The last thing on this movie is that it's an interesting watch because even if you're not a fan of Metallica or anything like that, it's actually a very compelling documentary overall. It's a movie that I could recommend to most people, especially if they want to see what maybe a band would go through as far as different aspects of recording. It works on a lot of different levels. And I think it's uh, well worth the watch, whether you like that type of music, you like Metallica or not, if you just like documentaries, or even if you don't like documentaries, it works. Like I said earlier in the episode, it's never once boring. It's actually very compelling to watch the whole way through. And really, whether you love them, hate them, don't care about them, it it's just great to see that you know these these guys are somewhat normal and gives an interesting insight to one of the greatest rock bands of all time i mean i know it's heavy metal but i mean they're definitely hard rock i feel like they're a little bit of uh that they were at one point the next evolution of like led zeppelin in my opinion but anyway if you haven't seen it check it out it's definitely a good one it's also recommended to watch uh, specifically for the dave mustaine 
segment of the movie. I really enjoy that uh, part. I think it's kind of interesting to see Dave Mustaine talk to Lars. And, well, I know Dave Mustaine said that he hates that scene of the movie. He wishes that it wasn't there, but I actually think it's pretty good. And you know what? While I'm not a gigantic Megadeth fan for... For what he accomplished with Megadeth, I think he should be proud. Um, But anyway, I'm going to close out this episode. As a reminder, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam underscore analyzes. Also, check out my webpage at adamanalyzes.com. If you don't do the whole social media thing and want to drop me an email, you can send that to adamanalyzespodcast at gmail.com. And also... We got season three of In Our Honest Opinion coming up. I know I've been talking about it. Will and I are recording away. And, well, some COVID things, you know, get thrown in. And it kind of throws things out of whack sometimes with scheduling for us. But either way, know that there are episodes being recorded. And we're going to have those up very soon. And also, if you have a free moment... Give me a five-star review at the podcast listening platform of your choice. I would greatly appreciate it. It would allow me to reach some new listeners. And also, I simply love those digital hugs. But with that being said, good night and be kind.